You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode six of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined on the line by the editor of the Western League Bulletin. It is Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Hey, yeah, doing well. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. I had a very yeah. pleasant trip to Welton Rovers on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Of course, they triumphed in the Vars, um, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is great news for them. Uh, what I have to say is that I was incredibly impressed by the way that they handled the uh, the COVID restrictions, and um, I felt very comfortable um, going Good. to the ground. I took my kids with me. There, there's a little play park at Welton Rovers, so the children mm-hmm. were able to play in there. But we we popped into the um, clubhouse at half time. Um, you know, there's a uh, you have to this table service and all that business, but it mm-hmm. all worked very efficiently. I felt thoroughly safe, and it was a thoroughly pleasant um, day out. Made all the better for the um, um, uh, for the result, and it was great to catch up with so many old friends as well. And I think that you know that's the uh, that, I know there's a lot been made of sort of mental health awareness and uh, that sort of thing at the moment, but it, you know it's really nice to be able to catch up with people at, at a game of football and you know see people that you haven't seen for a while. So I really enjoyed that. It was a really good way to spend a spend a uh, spend a weekend. That sounds good. Mate. On this week's um, edition of the Toolstation Western League podcast, we've got interviews with uh, Joe White, the manager of Longwell Green Sports, and um, and also Lee Davidson, the uh, the manager of Bradford Town. And we'll conclude this week's episode of the podcast with another uh, interview with George McCaffrey. Of course, he is the Toolstation Western League's COVID officer. And uh, George is going to give us um, an insight into the current um, guidance um, that the league are working on um, to manage the uh, the COVID situation. Um, but before we get into that, we're going to talk about the FA Vars. And we're going to start um, at the Theatre of Cheese, Tom. <laughs> one of our favourite grounds. Um, Very much good, so. Yeah, one of uh, many pretty good wins, I think, on the weekend for, for the Western League sides. I think, all in all, it was a, a pretty successful um Saturday afternoon for our sides in the competition. And yeah, Cheddar were one of those, a 3-2 win at home to Ivy Bridge. Um, the visitors scoring twice really late on to, to give the give the scoreline a bit more credit in their, their favour. Really, Cheddar, uh, yeah, definitely uh, deserved of uh, moving on to the next round. Uh, Callum Ham scored twice in the second half uh, to pretty much wrap this one up uh, after Ollie Hucker had uh, opened the scoring. Uh, and that was his 100th appearance for the club as well. So uh, a special day for, for Ollie and, uh, yeah, a goal on his uh, uh, reaching his uh, three-figure appearances for the club and a, a 3-2 win for Cheddar over Ivy Bridge. Excellent stuff. Now, our next game is Longwell Green Sports. They've not enjoyed the best of starts uh, this season, I think it would be fair to say, but that's not the case in the FA Vars. No, indeed. Um, yeah, they, they progressed, joined, joined the likes of Cheddar in the next round and a 2-1 win uh, at home to Bobby Tracy. Uh, Aidan Sanfelici and, and Joe White were the, the goal scorers for them. Uh, yeah, coming from behind to, to win this one as well. So hopefully a bit of a bit of a confidence boost uh, for them going forward. Well, uh, I thought that was a good opportunity to catch up with Joe White, um, the manager of Longwell Green Sports. And, and, and I started off by asking Joe about his journey to the Longwell Green dugout. A couple of years back, um, I, I uh, managed Chip and Sopri, um in the Toolstation Premier League and um, I sort of left that job uh, a couple of seasons ago. I, I just played last year um, on sort of a bit of a crossroads really with regards to my um, playing and, and, and coaching career in that I'm sort of still probably young enough to play and do a half okay job but I over the recent years, I've got very into my sort of coaching and um, and, and leadership aspect of the game. I 
completed my uh, UEFA B a couple of years back as well. So I, that side of the game has really fascinated me as I've sort of started to get a little bit older. Um, so that that's what's fundamentally really led to it. I just uh, I just played last year at Cribs, um, uh, and I enjoyed that. But I felt because I'd had a bit of a flavour of the the managing side, where the opportunity at Longwell Green came up. And um, I felt like it was too good, good an opportunity to miss, really. Well, let's talk about Saturday's game. It was a 2-1 win at home to Bovey Tracy in the Vars. You must be delighted with that. Yeah, no, it was a great result uh, for the club. Uh, we obviously managed to pocket a little bit of money from that as well. Uh, so that's the second uh, game we've won in the FA Vars now this year. Obviously, the, the league form has um, not been so great at all. Um, we, we've not managed to win a game as of yet. We've obviously had to assemble a completely new team. Uh, uh, I think we've only managed to retain a couple of the players from that were at Longwell Green last season. A lot of them have moved on to new clubs or teams in the league above. Uh, I think five or six of them have gone to Cadbury Heath as well in the league above. So that was um, that's been quite challenging. But albeit, so we've had to assemble a completely new team, and uh, I feel like in the league we've actually not been playing too bad in some of the games, and it's, it's, it's probably a little bit cliche to say but we we have actually been desperately unlucky not to perhaps record a few draws or wins in some of these league games I mean there's been a case there's been in two of the games we've been leading by two goals and uh Ashton and back where we were beating them 2-0 and then lost 3-2 uh Welton we were beating them 2-0 and drew 2 all so in uh, we have been uh, a little bit unlucky not to get some of the res- results and then albeit we played Bovey Tracy Saturday and uh, people who watch the game and obviously all the players um, in the dressing room will probably admit that it was probably our worst performance of the season in terms of, from a football point of view, we, we didn't play particularly well at all, but we managed to get the win. So at the end of the day, that's football, isn't it? And we're sort of in a results business. So uh, sometimes you'll play really well and, and lose. Uh, and then other times you'll, you'll not do so great, but manage to grind out the win. And, and hopefully over the course of the season, those sort of things iron themselves out. And, um, and I'm hopeful we can start progressing up that league table now. I mean, do you think that the Vars has provided your side with a bit of a welcome distraction from, from the opening games of the league? Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, because it's a, obviously it's a it's a one off game. I think in, I mean, we we won the first game against Radstock on penalties. It, it just goes straight to penalties as opposed to any extra time or replay or anything like that because of the, I think because of the COVID regulations, they don't want to have any replays or anything like that. Um, which is actually quite nice. So Radstock, we the final result was one all, and then we beat them on penalties. Um, and then uh, against Bovey Tracy, we won 2-1. But yeah, absolutely, I think welcome distraction probably um, from a a challenging start in the league, Um, but I feel like um, there are lots of signs that hopefully that can can pick up, and it's great. I think think at this sort of level, um, around these sort of leagues, FA Vars, FA Trophy, FA Cup, these are the sort of games that you sort of um, live for playing really as a as a non-league player or manager um, because they can create so much buzz and good feeling around the club. Well, the, the draw for the Vars has been made. You've got Brinscombe and Thrupp away. It's on Halloween. Does, yeah. that, does that date mean anything to you or do you think actually that uh, you know, you've got a good chance of progressing away? <laughs> yeah, uh, right on Halloween uh, when the clocks go back. Um Brimscombe and Thrupp, um, I, I know the manager quite well actually and um, there's a, a good handful of the lads um, 
that I know well that they play across in that Hellenic Premier League and they've always been a very competitive team in there so it'll be it, it'll be a tough game it'll be a very tough fixture for us um, but one that we're absolutely looking forward to um, and they got a lovely uh, lovely pitch up there so this time of year it should be really nice as well so we're really looking forward to it and yeah it's, it's a great another great experience for a lot of our sort of young players I mean, obviously, you've mentioned that difficult start in in the league, but the fact that you have been in so many games and only lost out narrowly. I mean, yeah. particularly when you look at. I mean, I appreciate you said that the performance against Bovey Tracy wasn't your best, but I mean, can sure. you see that progression? Can you see that you know that as as you get into the season, you're starting to put your new side together and they're starting to deliver the sort of football that you want to be seeing? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we've we've probably introduced. Uh, a good handful of lads that have been starting week in, week out. Four or five lads that have perhaps not played regularly at this standard before. So it is a little bit of a step up. Um, technically, they're good players, but I feel like these sort of leagues demand um, decision-making, quick, quicker decision-making than perhaps in leagues below. And it's just a case of sometimes knowing when when you should pass it uh, instead of clearing it or when you should actually clear it instead of passing it or dribbling it, dribbling or, or trying to turn with the ball when you should should perhaps just give it easy. So just little things like this, uh, decision-making is gradually getting better, we feel, um, across the park. But we've we've got a very young, hungry and fit team. And that, to be fair, the, the attitudes of, of all the boys since the start of the season has been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, they're really hungry to learn, and um, I'm sure we can we can start kicking on soon. Now, many Western League watchers will know that, of course, Longwell Green have been a, an ambitious club in in recent seasons, plotting their way back to the Premier Division. Is that yeah. still the ambition of the club, or given the, cir- the, the the challenging circumstances you've inherited? I mean, do you think stability is the most important goal this season? Yeah, I think obviously Mitch Hodge did a, did a great job. Um, last season I think they were fourth or fifth before um, we went into lockdown so so they had a they had a strong strong season obviously they they had quite a few experienced players there last year um, and and those those boys have sort of moved on now so it has it has been difficult to completely reform a new team and uh, the chairman to be fair um, John Gibbs has been absolutely transparent about that right from the beginning he was under no illusions that you know we'd potentially be challenging right near the top of the league because actually we're, we're trying to form a completely new team having said that uh, we've got the 4g astro turf that we've got a grant um, from the fa that is going to be installed at longwell green uh, by next summer so that that is something that um is really exciting um because it, it can hopefully um afford more revenue for the club as well and give us a, a fantastic playing surface to play on so i think I think realistically, the, the chairman and the committee have sort of feel that this season will be one of sort of consolidation, and then when we can uh, hopefully get the the four G next season, um, it gives us a great platform then to really kick on again. Uh, you've got Almondsbury up next. Now they've not been in the best form um, this season. So I mean, are you optimistic that you you might be be able to pick up that first league win of the season? Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully it's going to come sooner rather than later. Um, that would be nice. Uh, I think Almsbury have won several games and lost several games, so they're, they're, they've been sort of fifty-fifty mix whether they win or lose a game. Uh, it, it's away from home. We've we've uh, on a lot of the night games for whatever reason we've um, tended to um, um, put in a better performance uh, for whatever reason. It's a, it's a nice pitch at Almsbury, big pitch, so that that should 
should suit our uh, young and uh, and fit team. And yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we've said to the boys, though. I mean, we've we've competed in in every game that we've played in, really, um, and, and really only narrowly not been quite getting the result that we need. Um, so it, it, it's it's there or thereabouts, but. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's another good game for us and, and one we'll look forward to and, and go in and give it our all and, and see what we come out with. And my thanks to Joe for his time. Now, our next game in the FA Vars is uh, an all-Western League affair between Oldland Abertonians and Canesham Town. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it went with the, uh, yeah, as, as expected, really. Uh, the Premier Division side, uh, Canesham uh, obviously, former champs of the the first division a couple of years ago, uh, a five nil win uh, away for them at, at Oldland. Uh, Matt Brown, the star of the show, scored a hat trick uh, for the case. Still, 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 uh, still a top goal scorer uh, amongst uh, our sides. He's yeah, uh, pretty prolific, isn't he? Uh, Jordan Metter scored the only goal in the first half, so it was a it was a tight affair uh, coming out of the out of the gate. But then yeah, Kenshin pushed on after after half time. Uh, Brown scoring three times, I say, and then A.D. Harvey uh, completed the scoring. Um, yeah, to, to complete the big win for, for Cainshaw. The next stop on the podcast team bus is Shepton Mallet. Mm-hmm. And uh, the visitors to uh, a town called Mallet were Torrington. And it would be fair to say, Tom, that Shepton gave them a torrid time. They did. A good 5-1 win here for Shepton. Uh, not been, yeah, the almighty Shepton that maybe maybe I'd hoped to, to see this season. They had a pretty good season last time out. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully a, a sign of things to come. A 5-1 win. Uh, home to Torrington. Uh, perfect start to the game for them. Tyson Pollard putting them ahead after just two minutes. So a great start for the hosts. Uh, but then, yeah, defensive blunder uh, allowed Torrington back into the game, uh, levelling affairs. Uh, but from there, yeah, Mallet really pushed on. Matty Morris uh, re- restoring the lead before Finn Haynes, uh, the returning Jake Fillingham and uh, Joe, uh, Joe Morgan uh, adding the finishing touches to, to a big win. Excellent stuff. And finally, our, our VARS coverage is wrapped up at Street. Uh, the visitors were Hengrove. We would have thought that perhaps the, the, the Premier Division side would have run away with this one, Tom, but it wasn't quite the case, was it? No, indeed. And uh, yeah, incident pack, definitely this one. Just a 2 0 win for, for Street, obviously getting the job done. But uh, yeah, could have, could have, could have been a bit more. Um, a bit more easy for them potentially, especially after Hengrove had Giorgio Mancini sent off after just 12 minutes. Uh, and uh, yeah, then Street also had a penalty pretty soon after. But Harry Thomas Baker, uh, he was up to the challenge in the Hengrove goal, uh, managed to save that one. So uh, to keep it keep it goalless, Street then uh, received a red card of their own. So it was 10 v 10 for for the majority of the second half. Uh, but it was the Cobblers who, who yeah managed to to produce the goods uh, when it mattered most. Uh, and it was goals from Kyle Strange and Cameron Andrews uh, who helped them uh, beat Hengrove and, uh, yeah, claim the 2-0 win. And having uh, given Welton Rovers a special mention at the top of the uh, the show for their excellent um, uh, COVID restrictions off the field, I think we should pay tribute to them on the field as well. Mm-hmm. They, they they won 1-0 against Alberton Villa. A very disciplined uh, performance it was too, I thought. Um, very well organised, Welton Rovers side. And uh, really good times at, uh, at West Clues as they progress into the next round of the FA Vars. Um, so moving into the Premier Division, we did have four matches um, going on in the Premier Division uh, this weekend. And we start with, um, well, two powerhouses uh, of recent eras and Buckland Athletic. We're seeing the second coming, I think, aren't we? The Buc- Buckland are, have, have sort of really got back to the, um, to the powerhouse house that uh, that we knew a few seasons ago yeah and they were they were forced to 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 play well to hold out for this one 
Uh, a pretty pretty incredible start to the game, though. Uh, Buckland leading after, uh, sorry, leading by three goals to nil after just 15 minutes away at Bitten. Obviously, not an easy place to go, but they, yeah, they set the ground running. Um, goals, yeah, as I say, three goals inside the opening 15 minutes. Debutant JJ Evans making an instant impact uh, before Austin Booth headed it headed uh, headed home for two nil. Uh, Gavin Collins then made it three nil. So uh, Buckland really, yeah, laying down a laying down an early marker, uh, but Bitten managed to to get back into the game and you know began their comeback. Dean Griffiths having a good start to the season uh, got them back in. Uh, back amongst the goals, uh, 3-1 down after just 20 minutes, so a bit roaring start. Uh, Matt Barnes uh, managed to, to pull another goal back um, during the second half, but it was Buckland who managed to just about hold out, uh, and the 3-2 victory helped propel them up to, to second on the ladder. Now, our next game in the Premier Division is Tavistock against Bradford Town. Now, last week, of course, Bradford had a mauling at home to Exmouth. Um, not really the Bradford that we've come to know in recent seasons. Um, so a few of the bobcats of a Ciceros travelling support, I'm sure, will have thought that uh, they were going to be up to much away at Tavistock. Traditionally, such a hard place to go. But that wasn't the case, was it, Tom? No, indeed. This, yeah, this is probably their must be their performance of the season so far. I think uh, a 4-1 win away at Tavistock. Uh, Liam Prin uh, scoring for the home side to cancel out Charlie Walton's opener. Uh, but yeah, Bradford managed to to really push on in the closing stages. Uh, Ross Lye firing home from the penalty spot uh, to put them back ahead. Uh, an own goal, uh, then then and extending the lead to to 3-1 before Lye converted another penalty with the. The, the, the final kick of the game, uh, but a 4-1 win for Bradford. That is, um, yeah, yeah. As I say, probably their uh, performance of the season and something they've, they'll use to yeah, kick on over the next couple of weeks, I'd have thought. That gave me the perfect reason to get in touch with their manager, Lee Davidson. And I started off by asking Lee how important it was for his side that they bounced back from that disappointing defeat um, to Exmouth. Yeah, it was massively important. I think it... The, the 6-1 was very much out of character for a Bradford Town team. Um, I think that we didn't necessarily get it right on the day, and that's probably starting with the management of the, of the actual team. Um, so, yeah, we had to reflect on, on our performance and look at ways to improve and what we're actually trying to achieve this season. Um, so I think that the fact that myself, Lino and Deeks, the management team, got together uh, and had to probably be brutally honest with each other about what we got wrong uh, and how we're actually going to put it right very quickly. Well, we've started with the negative. Let's move on to the positive. Tavistock, um, away from home, 4-1. I mean, they're a very, very good side. How optimistic were you going into that game that you could get anything from it, let alone a win of that magnitude? Yeah, Tavistock are a great team, and every time we've been down there, we've had really close run-ins and, and some good results down there. Um, I knew that the team's got every chance with the players we've brought in. We've got a lot of quality and a lot of ability in there. We just needed to make sure that the chances we are creating, we started to take. So I was yeah, very optimistic and I knew that, that the boys, if they pulled together in the right direction, then everything can come good. You've had three wins, three draws and four defeats so far this season. I mean, how happy are you with the start that you've made? It's, it's not the start that we envisaged, you know. Um, last season we did fantastically well. The upshot of that is that we lost 10 players from last season's squad, so... You know, this season was very much going to be a rebuild squad, and I know that the, the committee were fully aware of that. I think that the, the wins and the performances we put in place have deserved more than we've actually got, uh, obviously except for the Parkway game. So it's, it's probably a little bit disappointing because we have high expectations of ourselves, and, and the club has high expectations as well. 
Um, but I think we just need to keep, as I said, rebuilding um, and work on the Tavistock result. We now know the way we want to play, what we're going to do, and I think that we now need to put a run of games together to, to put us back where we belong in the, in the top kind of couple of teams. So this is the first time that I've interviewed for the podcast, but I've been a fan of yours for quite a while. I can remember your playing days at Porton Rovers and at, and at Melksham Town. I mean, you've been part of some very successful sides on the pitch. What made you take the plunge into management? Uh, it, was, it was a case of that I had a, a chat with the committee and they, they kind of said to me, is it something I'd be interested in? And they brought the town with the, the support I've received from them from the fans, from the committee and from the players. I thought it was uh, almost an offer that you can't really turn down, to be honest. It's a, a club that's experienced great success over the last couple of seasons. You know, minus COVID, we were in, in pole position to get promoted. So I was delighted in the faith that they'd shown in, in me. And so really it was just a, something that I didn't feel that I could turn down. I mean, you mentioned the COVID situation there. I mean, do you think it's been a help or a hindrance to you that you that this is your first season as a manager? I mean, how much has the restrictions impacted on your ability to prepare? Yeah, it's had massive implications, if we're honest. You know, the whole guidance and not being able to do more than, you know, groups of six and you could not do contacts and things like this. So we were, weren't organising friendlies too early. The good thing was that we managed to bring in Deeks, obviously a very experienced coach, Ben Deacon, um, and him and Lina and myself put together quite a, a good training plan. Um, but it was it was very difficult because we always had to change it just to make sure that we were getting into kind of COVID restrictions and things. I mean, you mentioned before about the number of players that have, that have left. I mean, normally at this point in an interview, I'd ask whether you've added any new faces, but I imagine that necessity has sort of made that ine- inevitable for you. Yeah, as I said, last season was really successful for us and other players have gone on to, to do other avenues, you know, and we wish them all well. And I'm still friends with all of them now, so you know, I want them to be successful, just not when they're playing against Bradford, hopefully. <laughs> um, but, you know, some of the players we've got in, we we've brought some absolutely fantastic players into the club that we're really, really pleased with. We've tried to add in a little bit of steel and determination over the last few weeks as well. And, yeah, I think the Tavistock game was kind of made it come to light that we were starting to maybe start to get things right. I mean, do you think it took a few games for your new signings to gel? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it goes without saying, 10 new players kind of coming into a squad is, is difficult. You have to think about, you know, performances. You think about who plays well together, who kind of links up with each other. But there's lots of different things that we have to try and focus on. So lots of our pre-season was trying to get people to gel, get people to come back together and make sure they understand how each other wanted to play. So it's, it's a process that's been maybe a little bit slower than we anticipated and liked. But, you know, I believe if we, if we keep working at it, it's definitely one that's going to, to improve. Now, I know you're not going to want to advertise this too widely, but it's a question I'm sure that the supporters are, are keen to hear me ask, and that is, what, which players in particular, um, new players that you've brought into the squad, which players in particular do you think we should be looking out for this season? So we've brought in uh, Morgan Marsh from Radstock. So he plays in that number 10 role. He's very, very strong, um, very, very good on the ball. He's got a keen eye for gold as well. So he's one that's definitely to, to be watched out for, without question. Uh, and we've always lost Jack Wickham at, at fullback. He went on to, to Broomtown. I know he's doing fantastically well there, which is great. But we brought in young Aaron Witchell from Carlton Town. Um, and he was probably our standout performer. 
about three seasons, if I'm honest. Now, you, you mentioned how close you came last season, and of course, you know, regular Western League watchers will appreciate just how good a side Bradford Town have been in recent seasons. I mean, is the ambition of the club still to take Bradford into the Southern League? Yeah, absolutely. When I had you know, conversations with uh, the committee, we were very much on the same page that it, probably this season is going to be a, a rebuild year where we need to get back to where we have been over the last few seasons. But without question, you know, I, I've taken this, this position on to be successful and I want to be the person that takes them up, takes them over that final hurdle and takes them into kind of the Southern League. This season, obviously, um, as you say, sort of a rebuilding season. I mean, does that is that job helped somewhat by by the complexities of the of the COVID situation? Because you know, we 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 could still be faced with a start stop start stop season. Well, I suppose in, in the regards of you know the season starts and stops and things like this, I think that's kind of it, it makes it probably trickier in in some respects, but also positive in other. I mean, you've got Street up next. I mean, they're proving a real handful. I think they've surprised plenty of people last season and they're carrying on this season. So I suppose the next few results are going to tell us whether or, whether or not Bradford Town are the, are the side that lost to Exmouth or the one that beat Tavistock. Yeah, you know, let's make no mistake. You know, the Tavist- uh, the uh, Exmouth results, sorry, that, that can never happen again. That's not something that we expect. And, you know, as I said, we reflected on that and we had some home troops in the changing rooms afterwards. That's not a Bradford Town performance and it's not something that I'm happy to accept um, and if we have to go out and we have to start bringing in new players that's, that's something that we will you know, we'll, we'll have to do because Bradford Town need to be up towards the top they need to be fighting for promotion and fighting for all of the major major trophies and when you look at the other sides in the Western League Premier Division I mean who do you think though the sides that will be fighting it out this season at the top are going to be well I think it, you know it's quite easy for me to say that obviously Plymouth Parkway are going to be up and around uh, the, uh, the the top of the league, you know, they're kind of the team to beat, I feel, at the moment. But then Exmouth, obviously beating us 6-1, have shown that they are very clinical with their finishing, you know, they worked hard, but they're a great team, uh, a good unit, and they really put us to the sword, so they'll be up and around, and the final one will probably be bitten as well, you know, obviously Dan, Dan Waters has gone there from us, uh, he's, you know, a sensational goalkeeper, a massive, massive loss for us. Um, but he, he's in there now, and I know they've they've made a really good start as well. So I think they'll definitely be ones to watch as well. One of the interesting things about watching Western League football, particularly in the Premier Division, is those dark horses—the the sides, the unfancied sides that don't necessarily come um, with a big reputation. I mean, you're in the weird situation that you could end up falling into both camps. People know that you've done well in recent seasons, but obviously, as a new manager with a rebuilding job, I'm sure you'd like to be there or thereabouts. I mean, when you look at the other sides in the Premier Division, do you think that there's one, an unfancied side, perhaps that might uh, that might come from the pack and surprise a few this season? Yeah, I think over over recent side uh, over recent years, sorry, Buckland have kind of come out of the top two, three for for a bit, and I think some of the results they've been getting recently have been really positive. They're definitely up and around there. Um, they're definitely a team to to watch out for. I think they've definitely got the ability and the and the setup and the structure to really put a, a good challenge in for the title as well. And my thanks to Lee for his time. One more game to tell you about in the Premier Division, and that was Wellington against Roman Glass St George. Yeah, Wellington starting to find a bit of bit of form, which is good for them. obviously, yeah, difficult start. But two wins in the space of three games for them now. A two-one win over Roman Glass, uh, who've uh, yeah come unstuck a little bit. Um, Tangerines, yeah, goal to the good. Uh, Ollie Holman slipping the ball home, uh, thanks to a following well following a fine one-two with uh, with uh, with Jack Lewis on the edge of the box. So that put Wellington in front. 
Roman Gloss uh, drew level at the, the, the beginning of the second half. Troy Simpson tucking home uh, to make it one all and, you know, set them up for a, a push in the second half. But it was Wellington. Uh, he managed to grab all three points uh, in the closing stages. And it was Holman again, uh, completing his double. Uh, a curling finish 20 minutes from time. And, uh, yeah, Wellington, as I say, a little bit of a little bit of a, a boost for them, a 2-1 win at home to Roman Glass. If you're thinking, Tool Station, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Tool Station. With over 300 branches, there's always a Tool Station near you. Now, moving on to the first division, and and Tom has decided that we're going to kick off at Bishop's Lydiard, <laughs> where the visitors were Devizes Town. Yeah, much to your chagrin, I, I'm aware. But yeah, a 5-1 win for Bishop's Lydiard in, in, a, in a battle between two sides who, yeah, were without a win prior to this game. But that's, yeah, not the case anymore. A 5-1 victory, as I say, uh, for Bishop's Lydiard uh, over Devizes scoring four times in the first half uh, really yeah, set them on their way obviously in this one uh, Mark Cornish uh, opening scoring after 10 minutes uh, with Jack Kelly then doubling doubling the lead soon after uh, Devizes did manage to, to pull a goal back uh, but then Lydia yeah, managed to, to refine them refine their form Mamari Ruiz uh, restoring their two goal advantage uh, towards the end of the first half before Luke, Luke Boyle made it 4-1 just before half time to, to, yeah, to really Really put them in the driving seat, uh, and yeah, they've had a obviously had a tough start themselves. They did. We know about Devizes' troubles, uh, but the lids, um, yeah, pretty morale-boosting win for them. And uh, Alves Jesus uh, scoring on his debut uh, to make it 5-1 uh, after coming on as a second-half sub. So uh, yeah, a good good afternoon for the home side. You know you're in trouble, don't you, when the Almighty puts in an appearance? Absolutely. I mean, Dr. Devizes, eh? They cure what ails you, particularly if you're Bishop's Lydiard. A little bit at the moment, Moving yeah. off the bottom of the first division there. A healthy 5-1 win. How <laughs> depressing. Um, right, moving on to uh, a team that's um, certainly turned its early season misfortunes around. Coming up against a bit of a surprise package uh, in Bishop Sutton. Wincanton Town, they've been at the races for quite some time, haven't they, Tom? They have. And, uh, yeah, another another three points for them. Um yeah, you've got to be impressed with, with how they're going at the moment. And it was a long-range effort uh, that got them their fourth win in, in five, and that came from Louis Irwin. So a 1-0 win over Bishop Sutton, who themselves have, yeah, have had a had a pretty pretty promising start to the campaign. So, uh, yeah, Wincanton, another three points uh, at home to Bishop Sutton. Now, before we have a look ahead to the fixtures um, coming up at the weekend, um, we're going to have a uh, we're going to uh, we're going to hear from George McCaffrey, the uh, Tool Station Western League's COVID officer. The national picture regarding the coronavirus is is changing almost on a weekly basis at the moment. All football leagues across the country are still playing, even in the most affected areas. Um, but of course, we're also having to live with the virus, particularly uh, on a match day. So I thought now is a good time to get in touch again with George McCaffrey, just to understand what the latest guidance was that was being issued by the Tool Station Western League. The procedure is quite simple, is that a club will identify when a player has said they've got the symptoms and they're going for a test. They'll inform me, then we're going to wait for the outcome of that test. Now, obviously, that can take two or three days, and if there's a game scheduled, we'll look to see 
what that club has been doing. Now, if they have followed all of the protocols, i.e. in the changing rooms, independent travel, etc., etc., then there's no reason why the game can't go ahead. And in fact, that's happened on at least two occasions so far this season. However, if we get the information that the protocols weren't followed, i.e. that more than the uh, maximum number were in the changing rooms, they weren't socially distanced, and they weren't wearing masks at those times, then that increases the risk to those players and management. So we actually have to tell the club that they need to tell the people that they've got to self-isolate and therefore that the next game can't go ahead and we, will, we, the league, will postpone it. Now, if the result comes back negative, then that club can resume its league programme and the postponed game will get rescheduled. If it comes back positive, then that player and the club have to deal with track and trace and people will be told to self-isolate for 14 days. The majority of our clubs that have come into this situation have bitten the bullet and gone, yeah, we feel that if track and trace kicks in, they're all going to be told to self-isolate because they weren't following the protocols. And if that's the case, we may as well get it out of the way because if you wait for another two or three days for track and trace, it could be almost a week since the symptoms kicked in. So you would end up actually almost 21 days. So if you can say, oh, we've been self-isolating since a certain date, then the NHS track and trace will be happy with that. And then obviously, once that's all gone, um, after the 14 days and there's no more symptoms, they can resume their league programme. People um, have said, oh, well, we're going to get tested because we're at risk. And you go, that's absolutely fine. But what you have to remember that even if you come back with a negative test because you've been in contact with a COVID pos uh, positive person in that environment, i.e. the changing rooms without a mask on, then you still have to self-isolate for 14 days from that initial date. doesn't matter what the negative test says because it's the possibility that you're a carrier and not somebody who's going to suffer with the virus. And, and that would be consistent with any workplace, wouldn't it? With any, with Abs any... Absolutely. And in fact, when you read the documents, it talks about a household and close contact. The FA are very clear to state that football itself is not close contact because it's outdoors and it's minimum risk of being very close to somebody who's, who potentially has the virus. So the football itself is not the risk. It's the pre, half-time and post-game situations that are the risk, i.e. the changing rooms. And that's why each club has its own risk assessment and its own protocols in place saying the maximum numbers allowed in the changing rooms. We understand half-times, because it's less than 15 minutes, maybe you can get away with it, yes, but reduce the risk by wearing a mask. It's as simple as that. You know, we've got to be doing the best that we can so that we all can stay safe in this time. 
I mean, there'll be many people out there, many pundits have been have been commiserating over the fact that football is no longer a contact sport. In the context of test and trace, um, that contact definition is actually crucial, isn't it? It's the one thing that, that saves us. Can you explain a little bit about how test and trace regard a, co- a close contact? It's that situation where they're in close proximity to the, the person who's testing positive. Now, close proximity is less than the social distance, so generally two metres, which is why technical areas have additional seats so people can space out. So during the 45 minutes of the first half and second half, they can remain socially distanced. So that reduces the risk. That's why the clubs have maximum number of four or five in the dressing room because that's the maximum number you can get in there and remain socially distanced. Trust me, if I was going into a room that was that enclosed, I would be wearing a mask because that's reducing my risk. But that's a personal feeling. It's not mandatory, but it's common sense that says wear a mask when you cannot socially distance. There are plenty of guidance out there in general terms regarding that, but there's nothing specific for football that I've seen anyway. Uh, we're very concerned about the potential, um, particularly at the moment where the rate of infection is so high and spreading. We're very concerned about potential cases. But the, the way the guidance has been um, produced between the Football Association and the Department of Culture and Media of Sport does actually mean that even if a team has a positive test, has a player that tests positive or a coach, then that doesn't necessarily mean that those games will be postponed by the league, does it? Absolutely not. Um, the, the, the documents are very clear that having one COVID-positive person in the club does not stop that club operating. But that's on the assumption that they're operating within the protocols. And, of course, that we know that the protocols are not... Well, they cannot be enforced... You know, they're advisory. We cannot force people, you know, so it's there. But the risk is if you don't follow the protocols and one of your mates comes down with COVID and proves positive, you are going to have to self-isolate for 14 days. What about opposition players then? If a player has, um, if a player on on Team A has tested positive for the virus and I was playing for Team B... Um, yeah. Well, I mean, poor old Team B. If I was playing for them, but if I was, just say, and I, I, I competed against them on, 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 you know, on the Wednesday night, and I found out, say, on the Thursday that that t- a player from Team A had, um, had had contracted the virus. What 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 does that mean to me? It means very little, um, and we we shouldn't get too hung up on it. Um, the guidance is very clear that the actual plane of the match is minimal risk. You know, the only likelihood of transference is that if you're face-to-face and you're having a stand-up argument with him and spittle goes in your face or your mouth, um, that cannot be legislated for. But apart from that, the, the risk of transference on the football field is minimum and therefore with just one person tested positive, the FA and the government are quite happy that the programme of matches will continue. But that's the basic legislation. 
then you go into the risk associated with that and go back to what I said earlier on. It's not the match itself. It's the before, half-time and after. Because if you don't follow the protocols there, then there's every risk that you will have to self-isolate. And that's one of the reasons why we put that uh, information up on the website for the players and the supporters to let them know what the way that we're thinking and what's happening in the real world out there. This is what's going to happen. I mean, just just on a uh, just to sort of bring this to a, a, a close, then George. I mean, we've been talking about the players, and I know that there are issues to do with close contacts with coaches as well, and, and clearly there may yeah. be even some volunteers at clubs. Uh, the, the 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 queries that have been raised with you so far, the incidents that have been raised that you have that you have discussed with clubs, have all been. Am I right in saying have all been about the players and the coaching? It's not been about. There's not been any spectator related incidents so far. I am not aware of track and trace coming back to any club regarding spectators um, testing positive and then coming back to the club and saying, "Can you supply us with the details?" It's all been to do with the players. So that's not. Um, so it's a big pat on the back for our fans. It's a huge pat on the back for our clubs and our volunteers to Absolutely. put in place those those regulations. We need those those parts of our football family to keep up their good work, and we also need the players. It's it is difficult, isn't it, when we come into so we, we yep. you know our players will work. They'll have home environments. They'll they'll be yep. in leisure environments as well. But in terms of football, it's absolutely essential that we continue to follow this guidance to keep us playing. Yeah, absolutely. And all we're doing it is interpreting what the government and the FA are telling us, and we're trying to ensure that our players and our managers play a game of football to a safe conclusion and they remain healthy. That's what it's all about. Um, all the other stuff, yeah, fine. But let's all stay healthy. That's the important factor here. And my thanks to George for his time. Now we move on to the fixtures, Tom. Um, we won't worry too much about um, what's going on um, midweek, but um, uh, Saturday the 17th of October. What tickles your fancy in the Premier Division? Oh, I've gone for Canesham versus Shepton uh, in the in the in the Prem. Obviously, Shepton, you know, well, well both of those sides we just touched on uh, in the roundup uh, had big, big, big wins in the Vars, both scoring five. Um, but they've, yeah, I would say as I kind of touched on with Shepton, they've had an un- underwhelming start in the league. So uh, yeah, a pretty big game to see if either of them can can take that um, that form from the weekend and, and back it up. So yeah, big big game uh, between those two sides. And there's a derby um, going on between Clevedon Town and Bridgewater Town. Of course, what that make, what makes that very tasty indeed is that they're right next to each other in the table. Um, Bridgewater currently on 13 points, uh, Clevedon on 12. Um, so um, uh, that'd be a very interesting one, and of course one that could put a, a real gloss on on, on the Victors' uh, season. So um, so that'd be uh, that'd be a good game, I'm sure. And um, what about the first division, Tom? What what takes your fancy there? Guillaume for Ashton and Backwell obviously sitting top uh, and they host Wells uh, who've won four of five so yeah not, not the easiest uh, afternoon well, potentially not an easy easy afternoon for, for Backwell but obviously they made a, a brick roaring start so uh, they get to take on a Wells side who themselves are yeah, going well so it uh, should be a should be a decent decent tussle I think 
Who have Doctor Devises got then? They've got Wincanton Town at home. <laughs> nice easy one. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Let's hope we're at the. Not as if Wincanton could do with another win. Um, let's hope we're at the races for that one. Uh, I'm going to go for uh, a Somerset Derby at the Theatre of Cheese, which is a, a really beautiful ground, by the way. I don't know. Have you ever been there, Tom? I've not, not as of yet, no. I shall take you there one day. We'll have a I little, we'll have a little road trip when the world returns to normality. <laughs> um, but it is the most picturesque football ground I think I've ever seen in the world. The the backdrop when you're sat in the main stand um, of the sort of the rolling Somerset Hills is um, is is absolutely is absolutely breathtaking. More importantly, um, those two teams are bang on form. Um, they always give each other a, a good game. It'll have a bit of a derby feel about it as well, I'm sure. Um, so I think that's um, that's where the value is um, for me in the first division on Saturday. Um, we have, of course, Tom, been reviewing your excellent bulletin, which came out at breakfast time. I <laughs> I couldn't believe it on sun on Sunday morning. I was I was sat down wanting to watch uh, you know a bit of the old um, um, Saturday Kitchen Extra, and uh, I thought, <laughs> well, I'm going to sit down and read the bulletin instead because it had come out and I, I I enjoyed my bacon and eggs with that. Anyway, the listeners didn't need to know any of that, but what they do need to know is where they can find it. Yeah, credit to to James for that. Obviously, getting it getting it published and what have you on 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 Sunday morning. Uh, plenty of hard work on his end. So yeah, uh, very thankful to him. But yeah, that's on the uh, yeah available on the website uh, about halfway down the the homepage where you can download that. There's obviously the snazzy new format, which yeah again James has uh, put put plenty of uh, time and effort into, which yeah I think is has made a big difference. And also yeah downloadable as uh, Word and PDF formats. Uh, yeah and. You can probably find it on on Twitter if you're looking on the hopefully on the Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or whatever. So yeah, that's that's available in in all the good places. I would I would say. Excellent stuff, Tom. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Pleasure. And I look forward to catching up with you next week on the Tool Station Westernly Podcast.